0: This is Hope and Health with Doctors Michelle and Mark Sherwood. Insights and interviews with a dose of straight talk to help you enjoy optimal health in all areas of life.
1: Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Hope and Hope and Health. We're here to serve you and teach you some cool stuff. I'm Dr. Mark. And I'm Dr. Michelle. And we are known, as you know, fondly as Eminem. Without, Without the, the sugar. sugar. So there you go. Except the sugar. Have mm-hmm. to, we decide to have a little bit of a casual type of time with you tonight because you don't want to have formalities. You know, sometimes people can try to talk so much and be so smart <laughs> that, that it kind of gets over your head a lot. So we don't want to do that. Right. So we are continuing this series. We call the life series and really questions about life, the meaning of life, all of this stuff. How does life begin? And we, if you remember a few weeks back, uh, we actually began with the description of a cell, and the cell had three main parts. Remember what those were?
0: Absolutely. It's the cell membrane, that which houses everything on the inside. Mm-hmm. Then it's the cytoplasm, or the goo, that separates the outside Goo. goo. The goo. Yeah, okay. the cytoplasm. is kind of like a gooey gel-type mm-hmm. substance that has all the organelles in it, which do a lot of different really cool functions for the body. Yep. And between the cytoplasm, the cell membrane, the inner cell membrane is called the nucleus, and inside the nucleus it's really cool that area houses your dna your genetic material deoxyribonucleic acid you get half from your mom And half from your dad.
1: So the cells really are the beginning of life. The smallest, they have everything in them to live. And part of the structure within the cytoplasm, there's a bunch of structures in there. But one of the structures that we focused on and really kind of pulled out after we went through all the different um, kind of a briefing of all the different organelles in there inside of the cell. And if you remember that the cells, actually they form um, proteins, which forms tissues, which forms organs, which forms Organ systems, which makes the organism. But it all begins unique. with this thing called the mm-hmm. cell. And now, so the cell, we know that in that cytoplasm, remember there's a membrane, nucleus, and the cytoplasm is my wife fondly referred to as the goo. There's an organelle in there oh, among other organelles. Yeah, I know that has a it's called the mitochondria. And the mitochondria is so extraordinary we decide to pull it out separately and do a whole bunch of teaching on that as well. And so we kind of picked up on that a couple of weeks back if you recall and we talked about the idea idea of um, you know what it all does. So as a reminder, we we'll pick up right here very quickly, there are five functions of the mitochondria.
0: And at the top of the list is ATP synthesis, which is the production of adenosine triphosphate. That's your body's cellular fuel. You have to have that in order to be alive. Without it, it's called rigor mortis. Also, muscles, your body, basal metabolic rate produces heat. This is called non-shivering thermogenesis, which is actually a form of metabolism. Then there's the ability of the mitochondria to maintain their own DNA. This is so cool that the mitochondrial DNA comes from your mother. That's right, your dad didn't give you any of the mitochondria that lives inside that mitochondrion itself. Mitochondria also play a role in apoptosis, which is programmed cell death, or the ability for the cell to know when it's time to clean up what it needs to get rid of. Then there's the storage of this thing called calcium ions, which helps this mitochondrion keep a gradient across its membrane.
1: And those are the five functions. And if you remember, we we talked about when we opened the discussion about the mitochondria, the five functions, we, we began with the idea of the ATP. And you'll remember this diagram. We won't go over this tonight. But basically, this is looking at all of the different ways that our body uses fats, carbohydrates, and proteins. And, you know, kind of just very briefly talk about stage one, two, and three.
0: Well, stage one is called digestion and assimilation. That's really the breakdown of what you eat as fuel, fats, carbohydrates, and proteins that you see there at the top of the slide. Those three things then are converted um, into a molecule called acetyl-CoA. Then that turns the crank of stage two called the citric acid cycle, that big circle that you see there in the middle. And it then shuttles all those things down into what's called the electron transport chain or stage three, and that's where we have the production of energy. If you look through that slide, however, you're going to see how very nutrient dependent. You see carnitine, you see B1, B2, B5, lipoate, manganese, magnesium, coenzyme Q10, all of these nutrients are important for the formation of energy.
1: That's important because without energy, the cell dies. If the cell dies, we die. So the energy Random of the mortis. cell, yeah, we got to have this ATP. And the reason we talked about that so much is because when I look at that um, graph, I see kingdom fuel written all over that. Mm-hmm. Kingdom fuel is going to have the things necessary to help us go. And then Say we that talk one
0: more time kingdom what fuel. kind of fuel
1: kingdom fuel. You know the the thing that we developed for so long and it's not out there now. Um, certainly, you want to have your kingdom fuel to fuel your mitochondria, right? And now to to keep your mitochondria producing ATP so your cells will be functional. We also, last week, and we're just going to have a brief um, review of this, there were three types of that thing called thermogenesis, or the production of heat in the body. And if you remember, when we think about if we could produce more heat, that would give us the ability to burn more fat, wouldn't it? How cool is that? So there are three types of thermogenesis in the body. And just briefly, here they are.
0: So number one is exercise to induce thermogenesis. We all know that when we exercise, our body creates heat. And heat is what really helps drive metabolism. Then there is non-exercise thermogenesis. And that is actually your body's basal metabolic rate at rest. Your muscles actually um, produce a certain amount of heat. And we got into that uh, in depth the last time then there's diet induced thermogenesis when you eat certain things your body actually has to break those things down through the process of digestion and i always say when you eat broccoli there's more it takes more calories to break broccoli down than there is calories in it so we want to be very selective in what we choose is fuel so we can keep off that little extra spread
1: around the midriff so we need to Exercise to produce produce mitochondrial thermogenesis. We no we need to do that. We know we need to be busy, move more, sit less yes. to produce the mitochondrial thermogenesis. And this is like uh sitting's a new smoking kind of concept. And then we also need to eat right with good uh, plant-based food that takes a long time to break down, that also produces diet-induced thermogenesis. So when you make your body work, which kind of makes sense, it works enough to create heat. And so when we got, you know, we talked about the five functions, one, produce ATP, two, these three ways to produce thermogenesis. But three, the mitochondria has to maintain its own yeah, not the nucleus DNA, but its own DNA. How cool is that?
0: Its own mitochondrial DNA is housed inside the mitochondria itself. It's independent of the cell uh, besides where that uh, your, the rest of your DNA is formed. At fertilization, only nuclear DNA enters from the sperm because although the egg contains mitochondria, sperm do not. So sperm are so tiny that mitochondria would actually hamper their passage towards the egg. So therefore, exercise capacity for endurance sports tends to be maternally, meaning inherited by your mom. Your mom gives you the ability to perform that exercise. Maternal ancestral history also can be traced to mitochondrial DNA. Mitochondrial DNA accounts for about, oh, 1% of that total cellular DNA. Now recall that the number of mitochondria per cell can vary considerably with the type of function that that cell has. Uh, like muscle cells are very dense in mitochondria, a nerve cell, not so much. Recall that the number of mitochondria is higher when we exercise more because the mitochondria can go undergo what's called uh, fission.
1: Yeah. can divide and it can fuse. It can fizz and fuse. <laughs> Fission and fusion.
0: To me, meaning making more of when we're more active. So if you have a lack of energy, perhaps we need to actually exercise more and sit
1: less. Yeah. The fascinating thing about this mitochondrial DNA, as you, you you stated, it only comes from mom. And that's pretty cool. But the crazy thing about this mitochondrial DNA is Coming from the mom, and like Dr. Michelle talked about, and we'll talk about really the the criticality of protecting this, and it really is critical because it's actually pretty vulnerable within the mitochondria, and we'll explain why. But the criticality of maintaining this is, is because when we exercise more, the mitochondria will actually uh, they'll they'll fuse together and become bigger. Isn't that kind of cool? If we need more, fuse and divide, yeah, they they'll make more. They'll, they'll divide and they'll give more and then they get bigger and they divide and give more and get bigger. So they fizz and they fuse, right? Pretty cool. And so the bigger they are, the more chance the cell has to survive. And that's why the muscle cells have a whole bunch of them, right? Because they are meant to be used, right? So yes. if you don't use something, you will lose it. So it's is crazy to think about. So when you look at this mitochondria, it's critical that we maintain the DNA for a lot of different reasons.
0: Yes, that, that DNA contains just 37 of the 20,000 to 25,000 protein-coding genes in our body. And it's notably distinct from the DNA in the nucleus. So it's designed to be protective. In order to protect that DNA... Make sure you eat plenty of protein-rich foods such as meats, fish, nuts, seeds, beans, lentils, and even eggs to support amino acids like glutathione that protect the mitochondria. You can boost your protein in the morning by adding kingdom fuel (laughs) and and a protein-rich smoothie to your daily nutritional intake.
1: So, yes, that what she said was true, and we didn't insinuate it. Does kingdom fuel help protect mitochondrial DNA? The answer is yes. Absolutely Capital it does. Because it's going Capital to help e. form the you know when you think about glutathione which is a very important uh, antioxidant sort of compound it's also a great detoxifying compound is produced when we have plenty of the B vitamins and magnesiums and ATP. So the the interesting thing is that production of atp is critical to protect the atp mitochondria pretty cool so just think about that and uh you know we'll be right back after these um couple of messages from our wonderful sponsors etc and we hope you're enjoying our life series stay right with us we'll be right back Many people know about our clinic, but most don't realize we help patients around the globe reach their health goals. Deep down, you know there's got to be a way to get there, but you don't know where to start. Our starter plan is the first step. You'll get everything you need to experience a health transformation in 120 days.
0: You'll start by resetting your health with a two week detox. Then you'll implement our proven anti-inflammatory food plan. On top of this, you'll get a 120-day supply of essential supplements, omega-3, and vitamin DK, as well as our homeopathic drops to accelerate your health goals. Go to Sherwood.tv now and use promo code HOPEHEALTH to receive this exclusive offer and save a total of $80. This is your path to more energy and better health.
1: We are back, and hopefully you're enjoying our life series. What's the meaning of life? Where's life formed? We began this many, many weeks ago, talking about the cell. The cell had three different parts in it, which were...
0: The membrane, the cytoplasm that we call a goo, where all the other organelles are, and then the nucleus, where your genetic information is.
1: And we went all through that, and within the cytoplasm or the goo, there are all kinds of little organelles inside of the cell. And one of the organelles that we're talking about the last couple of weeks has been the mitochondria. And we just were talking about the DNA in the mitochondria, which only comes from your mom. And there's only 37 of the 20 to 25,000. And the crazy thing about this 37 is if they get damaged, they're not able to repair as efficiently. And with the mitochondria dies, the cell, which is dependent upon the mitochondria to produce energy for the cell, the cell will also die as well. So crazy. So the mitochondria has five functions, as we talked about starting last week, to produce ATP, the function of creating thermogenesis. Remember, there was exercise, non-exercise, and diet-induced thermogenesis we talked about just a few moments ago, and then the maintaining and protecting of the mitochondrial DNA. That's three functions only of the mitochondria, but man, this next one is like really cool. It's talking about something called apoptosis. What is that, Dr. Michelle? Apoptosis
0: is the process of programmed cell death in which these Automatic biochemical changes inside the cell lead to changes such as cell shrinkage, where the cell shrinks, nuclear fragmentation, fragmentation of all that good stuff that's inside of the nucleus, and eventually, um, the cell dies. And this is advantageous to the human beings. For example, during uh, certain times, it's very important for tissues to transform, to upregulate and downregulate. For example, in a young mother who is breastfeeding, once breastfeeding is done, those cells undergo this process of apoptosis because lactation is no longer needed.
1: So let's kind of look at that little uh, diagram you see right there on your television screen or computer, whatever you're watching on. Number one, when a cell gets damaged or stressed, um, and and it gets where it can't be uh, repaired, it begins this process of apoptosis. As it progresses, number two, the cell begins to um, kind of shrink a little bit. You see the membrane getting disformed there a little bit and forms these what's called blebs the blabs look like almost like a starfish pointing out. They're little areas that are irregular on the membrane. So there's proteins that are activated to break down the cellular component. So there's proteins that are started within the cell to actually break it down. Moving to number three, the enzymes, which are made from proteins, break down the nucleus, and the cell begins to tell the whole body by emitting signals that we're going to break down. And so you get this Macrophages that comes. Now, Macrophages is kind of like Pac-Man. They want to come and eat things, right? Your body has a good way of eating and destroying things. Which, if we go to number four, when the cell breaks apart in several small pieces, these cell components are dis- and are destroyed. And the nucleus is also destroyed. And then, as you see in five, the macrophages rec- recognize these cell parts roaming around, and they grab them like big Pac-Man, or maybe like a snowball that's heading downhill grabbing them, and they remove them from the body. This is cool. Now, I want you to think about this from the standpoint of a cancerous cell. We had this discussion a few weeks ago, and it kind of freaked people out. But when a cell becomes cancerous, it's irregular. It it tells the body mm-hmm, it does. that I'm irregular. It sends out signals. And so mm-hmm. what should happen when this process, we should see apoptosis of a cancerous cell. That would be normal, right? Yes. But what if the process is not working? And what if, or two two things, right, at two angles. Number one, what if the cell becoming cancerous was telling the body intentionally, that was one of the warning signals, so the cells that are cancerous would be destroyed? That would be a good mm-hmm. thing. So a cell becoming carcinogenic might be a good thing because that's signaling the body to, Something's to not right. destroy it. On the other hand, why wouldn't, the apoptosis of the mitochondria be working. Why wouldn't it be working? It might not be working because we don't have enough nutrients in the cell to make the cell functional. The mitochondria is not working. The cell is not working. All our organelles are not working within the cytoplasm. Maybe because we haven't been treating it well. Maybe it's overburdened. Maybe it's under nutrient. Uh, Undernutrition could be all those things. So you get the idea. We need to begin to think about things differently instead of like when a cell goes bad, that's bad. Maybe a cell going bad is part of the body's response because it has the ability to repair that or destroy it. So pretty cool how that works, right?
0: Yes, um, you know it's amazing how miraculously, beautifully, and wonderfully made we are.
1: Now, that is that was the fourth purpose or functionality of the mitochondria. Number five is that stores these things called calcium ions. It's a little bit complicated now. So the mitochondria is so busy, but what is the fifth function about anyway?
0: It is about calcium ions which has many important, important functions. It aids the Um, neurotransmitter release, contraction of muscle cells. It creates this gradient across the cell membrane. And of course, in humans, it's important in the the development of bone tissue, which is the main mineral storage site of calcium.
1: So these calcium um, ions, critically important because they're actually gonna create responses to this. And so, you know, when you think about the calcium ions, they're kind of held in two of the organelles within the cell. And you heard us talk about this um, a few weeks back, not just the mitochondria, but also the endoplasmic reticulum. And remember, uh, Dr. Michelle did a great um, presentation on that. So it's interesting because you want to think about these as uh, sort of like creating balance within the cell. So when you have enough calcium ions, you have good balance, right? So balancing the cell is important. Balancing the mitochondria is important. And if we don't have that, we're going to have a huge problem. So now we've talked about the five functions of the mitochondria. Now let's have a very quick review to bring us up to present before we go into this next section called tissues, which we'll talk about next week. So I want to make sure you get this. We'll kind of introduce it this week because the different types and what the the tissues do, but I want you to kind of get this. Here's a quick review for us right now.
0: Again, cells are the basic unit of life. Cells make proteins, which proteins then help create the formation of tissues. With tissue production, tissues make up organs. When we have organs in place, organs then create organ systems, and they all interconnect to create this great thing called an organism, which is you and I.
1: So now, let's begin to introduce the topic of tissues. So, indeed, cells do build tissues, don't they?
0: They certainly do, and there are many types of tissues. The term tissue is used to describe a group of cells that are similar in structure and that perform a specific function. When you look at things under a microscope, this is called histology, or the field of study of tissues' appearance, organization, and function. These tissues are organized into four broad categories based on their structure and their functional similarities. So the four basic primary types of tissue are epithelial tissues, and this refers to cells that cover the exterior surfaces of your body, like your skin. Things that line the internal cavities, like your guts, your respiratory tracts, and even the formation of certain glands. Then there's connective tissue, and connective tissue, as its name implies, binds the cells and the organs together, so hence the term connection. Connective tissue is a form of connecting tissues and cells and organs together. Muscle tissue, muscle is a type of contractile tissue that when forcibly excited it actually provides movement. Some of that is automatic, like muscle tissue. Some of it is under control of the autonomic nervous system, like the beating of your heart. Then there's nervous tissue, which is also excitable. And this allows for the generation and propagation of certain electrochemical signals in the form of what we call nerve impulses that communicate between different regions of your body.
1: So obviously when we talk about tissues, and you talk about tissues from this point forward, you're not gonna be thinking about Kleenex or (laughs) or toilet tissue either for that matter. You're gonna be thinking about tissues that are surrounding groups of cells that are actually going to form organs. So when you look at tissues from a broad basin across the body, as we talked about these four different types, you can see from a body standpoint, this great diagram here, why they might be as they are and where they might appear as they do.
0: So as we talked about, you have four types of tissues. The outer layer of your skin is called the epidermis. The lining of your intestines is also a type of epithelial tissue. You've got tissue that lines your respiratory tract, another type of epithelial tissue. Things that line your abdominal cavity, that's another type of tissue in your sweat glands. And on that slide there, you see the breakdown of four types of tissue up in the upper left. Nervous tissue, brain, spinal cord, and nerves. To the right, muscle tissue, cardiac muscle, smooth muscle tissue, skeletal muscle. And on the lower right-hand corner, that connective tissue is fat, other soft tissue padding, bone, and tendons and ligaments.
1: That's a lot of tissues.
0: And it all makes up this human being, and we just think, boy, we live in a skin bag.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I know, but a lot going on. So that brings us to the point, a a good place to kind of stop or pause you know, until next week. So we will begin next week talking about the epithelial tissues. And just as a reminder, we've talked about cells, the different parts of the cells, the three main types, and all the organelles within the cell. We just finished up our uh, teaching on the mitochondria, which is I think, one of the main organelles within the cell and what all it does. And then we know now the cells make proteins that form these tissues. So these tissues are all over our body, and all they are is groups of cells. Remember, the study of tissues is called histology. Pretty cool. So that's a lot of stuff. It is
0: a lot of stuff. Let's take a
1: histology break now (laughs) until next week.
0: And we can't wait to talk to you
1: about epithelial
0: tissues next time in detail.
1: All right, we'll look forward to seeing you next time on Hope and Health.
0: And in between time, drink your kingdom fuel so that you're feeding all these little cellular organelles the right
1: kind of fuel. And protecting your mitochondria. See you next time. Bye-bye.
0: Doctors Mark and Michelle Sherwood and their clinic can help you find the hope and health you were created to enjoy. Go to Sherwood.tv for clear, proven ways you can be healthier. Subscribe at Sherwood.tv